Hi, I'm Susan Freeman. Welcome back to our Property She podcast series, where I get to interview some of the key influencers in the wonderful world of real estate. Today, I'm delighted to welcome two guests, Alex Price, CEO of Palmer Capital Partners, and Peter Cuthbert, President of Canadian property investment company, Fiera Properties, after what's been a transformational year for Palmer. At the end of 2018, 80% of the Palmer Capital business was acquired by Fiera Capital. They are one of Canada's leading investment managers with £100 billion of assets under management. Palmer will become the UK arm of the Fiera Properties business. So now we get a chance to talk to Alex Price and Peter Cuthbert in one of their first joint interviews about the deal and how they see the Palmer Capital business evolving alongside Fiera. Alex and Peter, welcome. Thanks. Thank you. So it's great to talk to both of you today. I think it's one of your first joint interviews following uh, Fiera's acquisition of 80% of Palmer Capital, which was announced in December and I think uh, closed this month. So by way of background for our listeners, Alex, do you want to just give us a very quick intro into into what Palmer Capital is as a sure. business? So we're a UK-based and UK-focused real estate investment manager. We're also a backer in 10 regional property companies. So we do two things. One is we manage about 800 million of, of mainly pension fund money, investing into core real estate and into value-add and development real estate projects across the UK. And the second thing is we're a 33.3% shareholder in 10 operating partners, nine d- diversified across the UK geographically and one focused on multifamily or, or PRS assets. Um, and those companies are the way we source and they execute on those value-add or development strategies. So we've been in business for, for 25 years and we've been managing third-party money for, for about 16 years. Great. And Peter, it's good to have you here from Toronto. You're the president of Fiera Properties, obviously based in Canada, one of the leading investment managers with, I believe, £100 billion of assets under management. So just a quick background on Fiera Properties and Fiera Capital. Certainly. And and full disclosure, uh, I know my numbers in Canadian dollars, so you might have to do the math. But, uh, no, I, I, I had trouble with the maths, thank you. <laughs> so, 1 to 1.75, 1 pounds, 1.75 Canadian dollar. Okay. Um, so correct, we're part of Fiera Properties is now 100% owned by Fiera Capital. It started out as a partnership with Fiera Capital. I was one of the founding partners in 2012. We had a zero asset base. Today, uh, in 2019, we're $3.4 billion under management. By June, we will be about $4.6 billion under management, and we manage... A similar range of strategies to what Palmer Capital does in the UK. So we're real estate investment managers underneath Fiera Capital. And we manage in a, a larger open-ended core fund, which is about $2.5 billion. And then some segregated mandates, three opportunity funds, which are development value focused, similar to Palmer. And then we do have a, a traditional mortgage debt fund. And our ambition is to grow the business globally by acquiring and then organically growing investment partners in the UK, ultimately Europe, and the US, so that we can uh, serve our growing investor client base who want to diversify globally. That's great. So the deal will see Palmer Capital effectively become the UK arm of uh, Fiera Properties and part of Fiera Capital's alternative assets offering. So it's a really exciting uh, development. So first of all, how did it all, how did it come about? 
Well, I'll give you my side of, the, of, of this. is like a sort of a dating show, isn't it? I'll give Absolutely. you my side of, of the show before the screen goes up to reveal how, how Peter did it. We'd been looking for, for, for a long time, for four or five years. We'd been talking to people who came along. We didn't have to do anything, but we thought at some point we, we might uh, do a corporate a transaction if the right partner came along. Um, we met Fiera about a year ago, and for us, the fit was exactly right. By that, I mean that the, the strategies they run in Canada are very similar to ours in the UK. And culturally, we approach life from the same place. You know, we talk in our business about trust, integrity and entrepreneurship. And I could see exactly the same things in Fiera. Uh, Fiera have been buying into boutiques. And when I talked to the other boutiques that they're bought into, I found that everyone said the same thing. They'll give you help with, with capital raising. They'll give you help with your, your operational side, with your compliance, your, your regulation. But the investment, that's down to you guys. And they'll leave you to run your shop the way you've always run it. And so far, okay, we are only 10 days in to having closed, so it's early doors. But that's, that's the way it's shaping up for us. So, so for us, it, it, it helped us expand our business. It helped us go to the next level. It helps us plan for shareholder succession, and it will allow us in the future to do what we do best, which is to support our operating partners to grow and to help our clients deliver the returns that, that we promise. Peter, from, from your point of view, do you, you, do you see it the same way? And how long did it take both of you to, to realise, actually, this could work really well? So our ambition to find a partner in the UK probably started uh, two years prior to uh, completing this transaction and we visited a lot of different shops and interviewed a lot of different people when we met palmer about a year ago as alex said it was like looking in the mirror a very similar range of strategies a similar look and feel to their culture just the way that uh, alex and ray carried themselves uh in our discussions we knew sort of instantly that after having done a lot of work that this was exactly the type of fit that we were looking for and more importantly, a group of people and, and a talent set that we could build off of and grow organically to serve both the UK and then ultimately we would like to, to be operating in Europe. We've talked a little bit about the similarities between uh, Fiera and, and Palmer Capital. Can you talk a little bit more about what it means for the relationship going forward and um, how you see the benefits for both companies? It's probably a big question. Yeah, but, uh, yeah thanks. Yeah, start, start with the easy ones. For, for us, the management team at Palmer Capital still own 20% of the business. So we are still significant shareholders in, 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 in what goes uh, forward. On top of that, we have a, a, a bonus policy. So all of the staff participate in, in a bonus pool. And on top of that, a third layer, as the vendor shareholders left, a few million pounds of the money that they were getting has gone to an escrow pot, which will be paid to our staff over the coming years if they deliver performance for Fiera rather than for, for, for the exiting shareholders. So we've tried to make sure that everybody in our business is aligned to make this a success is, is the first point. I've had a few people ask about, about M&A since we announced the transaction. The key point is you have to want to make this a success. So for us, the, the big picture is about delivering what Fiera wants us to do, which is a, a solution in the UK for their global clients. It's about delivering a better investment product for our investors who are already there. And it's about allowing our staff and our existing operating partners to, to benefit from, from what we're doing. So we will make this a success and we've aligned it so that it will be by making sure we've kept an equity stake and all of our staff are, are incentivized. What changes are we going to see at Palmer Capital? In terms of how we operate day to day, somewhere between zero and very little. 
In terms of branding, we've put the Fiera brand onto our uh, to co-brand alongside us. And at some point towards the end of this year, um, we will be uh, completely rebranding into the Fiera name. And part of the reason we're talking to you is we want to get that Fiera name out there. This is a business that's gone from zero and in six, seven years it has delivered in Canadian dollars four billion and in the UK another billion pounds on top. So this is a very fast growing real estate manager and we're keen that people understand what we stand for and keen that people hear the name. There was obviously a huge amount of interest in the Fiera name when the deal was uh, was announced at the end of uh, end of end of last year. Peter, I mean, in in, in terms of um, the relationship, what are, what are the key benefits as you as you see them? Well, I think we align with with Alex in our thinking. Um, what really has driven this is is a desire to serve our investor base. So this strategy isn't driven by our investor client base. We think uh, the strategy will continue now with our combined client bases to expand the business further into the US and Europe. So it's, it's really, it's investor centric. That's what's driving what we're doing and our ability to deliver similar results in those markets. So uh, as Alex said, we, we've gone from zero to you know four billion plus uh, in a relatively short period of time. And that might concern some people, except that most of that growth has been organic. So our investment performance, our investment uh, processes, our techniques, our innovation in risk management, in performance management, in uh, I'll call it investment analytics, have been driving performance. And that's, that has uh, resulted in, in a growing and loyal investor base who are saying to us, if you can deliver the same sort of experience in other markets, we would be happy to come along. Uh, I think that's what uh, the Palmer team delivers to us in the U.K., and it's really an active, hands-on asset management style. We aggressively work our assets to drive value for our investors. We're not aggregators of real estate just to collect it and, and, and get a, a rental check. We're, we're driving investment performance and income growth through those those programs. So it just allows us to continue that in another market in a very hands-on way. The other benefit for our investors is a de-risked investment scenario in external markets. So... Their money goes into local assets with local skill alongside local investors. So the concept for a Canadian investor coming into the UK is you're de-risked because you're like an insider already in the market. And we all know the markets are very local. And the other interesting thing for us is Palmer's model of owning a share of their operating partners gives them a very unique hold in those markets and, and a unique look at the investment opportunities. It sounds as if there are quite a lot of similarities. I wondered whether there were any any differences. Is there a language barrier? Dare I dare I say? Or, or so, so far <laughs> uh, there hasn't been. But but then we may have not understood the mistranslation to date. Uh, I think having looked at a number of of you know having talked to partners in different countries, potential partners over the years, and um, one of the great things about working with Canadians is culturally we're about as similar as, as between the Brits and the Canadians as, as you can be. So less is lost in translation mm. than, than might be the case with pretty much any other nationality. Uh, I think it all comes down to the, the basics that Fiera have bought into us and, and the team at Palmer Capital and the operating partners that we're, we're a shareholder of. They've done that because they, they, they want us to deliver what we said we we're going to do in a way that we said we would do it to clients. And they want us to to do it and act and behave in the same cultural way that, that they do, you know, talk about trust, integrity, etc. None of that can ever get lost in translation because mm. it's quite simple. It is simply about saying to somebody, this is what I'm going to do and then doing it. And so far, 
maybe that's why we've not lost anything in translation because we're both quite simple, plain-speaking people, which is the only way to approach this. No, that's uh, that, that's good. And and, and Peter, I I, I wondered um, whether anything had surprised you about the way we transact real estate in this country, because I imagine that your career to date has has been mainly um, in. Uh, Canada and North America. Yeah, actually, in a, in a prior life, I was head of real estate for Standard Life Investments and reported into one George Street in Edinburgh. Ah. So I've uh, had the opportunity to involve myself in the European markets, including the UK. So actually, no real surprises. I had some idea and familiarity with that. Blair McCready, who's our fund manager for a large open-ended core fund, also was in that environment. So uh, we've had a reasonably good schooling and and so there's nothing that really surprises us and and to be a matter of fact the fundamentals that underpin real estate value are uh, almost universal all enterprise needs shelter we're in the shelter business and the reason real estate investment works is it's really a broad bet on the economy so we manage that exposure it's uh, significant that as um a North American asset management company you've uh, invested in a UK company despite Brexit. I think we have to we have to talk about Brexit. So, can you tell us, Peter, why you feel confident to invest at this time of, of relative uncertainty? Yeah, I think two two factors. One is we we take we're taking a long view of our strategy to serve our investors globally, and having been around for a while, thirty plus years, and lived through many cycles and disruptions in markets, uh, Brexit is, from our view, a shorter term phenomenon and that the fundamentals that underpin real estate value aren't going to change that much in the UK over the longer run. There's 67 million people growing to 74 million. It's one of the fastest growing European countries. It's a younger population. We look at those broad-based fundamentals. Alex will get into some of those more, but part of the two factors was also Alex and, and Ray's take on what's happening in Britain. 67 million people aren't going anywhere. They still need shelter. And there will remain tremendous opportunity in, in Britain to invest, manage and succeed. I think in the UK, we're living inside a Brexit bubble. And to everybody outside the UK, they just see the economic uh, downsides that, that's coming. But to a more longer term invest, investor, they see that actually that the fundamentals aren't changing. It's just the narrative in the short term's changed. And there's still going to be people here who will need servicing, whether it's by, by accommodation to live in, whether it's somewhere to work, somewhere to, to, to play, somewhere for leisure. So all those people are still going to be here. Our population is growing. We voted to leave the European Union partly because of immigration. And at the time of our growth, a third was European Union migration, a third was non-European Union migration, and a third was indigenous birth rates. The first third, the European Union migration stopped. We're now down to zero. But the other two have kept going. Indeed, they've grown. So our, our immigration rates are right back where they were before we voted to leave. That's not a campaign just for, to, as an anti-Brexiteer. It's just it's a statement of fact. So population growth is the fundamental that drives what we do. And that population growth is in urban areas that, that, that need accommodation. The government's targets of 300,000 houses a year have been missed in every year since I looked at from 1980 onwards. And people are today renting houses, you know, private renter sector. We, we talk about millennials wanting to be cool and rent. I suspect it's also they can't afford the houses that are for sale because there isn't enough there. So we are having a, a multifamily, a PRS sector emerging in the UK, not necessarily by, by, by the consumer's choice, but by the economic realities of undersupply. And at the same time, technology is changing 
the way we, we work in our offices. It's changing the way that we consume. So we don't buy from a, a, a House of Fraser or a Debenham superstore. We, we buy online. And if we don't like it, we send it back. So all of these things create a really interesting long-term opportunity that the Brexit bubble sometimes blows to one side because you don't have time to talk about long-term fundamentals. I think it was only talking to Fiera that gave me a sense of perspective because I was getting dragged into that same Brexit bubble. And it's important to not get entrenched in something that in 10 years' time will probably be irrelevant. Now, the decisions we make today will affect the next 10 years, doubtless. But long-term, those same trends will persist. And Alex, I'd say there's some interesting hard evidence that we saw in the Palmer platform that suggests there's a, a bit of a contra movement, and you talked about the project, the Megat project. Yes, yeah, so, so we are through, so, so we're um, showing two operating partners, Mance and Opus, who have a joint venture on land owned by Rolls Royce, where we're building Megat, a 500,000 square foot manufacturing facility. Now, I don't know whether they're bringing all their smaller manufacturers together for Brexit or for cost reasons or, or other consolidation reasons, but you are starting to see corporates reacting to the future, and that will create from Brexit, a lot of change. Change because the company that had its supply chain dotted around Europe will need to be on one side of the English Channel or the other side. Because if we leave the single market, the, the, the goods that are manufactured in one country may not meet the standards of the UK if they've been manufactured in France or vice versa. So actually, we're going to see wholesale change. So short term, Professionally, I'm really excited because we're going to see a lot of new buildings that need to be brought forward. You know, the Honda plant in Swindon will need repurposing and that isn't going to become another car manufacturing facility. Chances are it's going to become residential or mixed use led accommodation. At the same time, those long term trends are going to, going to push through. So Brexit, uh, as you probably worked out what I said, I think economically is not a particularly sensible decision. I'll leave the politics to somebody who's better paid and more informed than me. But long term, there's much bigger things happening. No, I think I think you're right. I think there are lots of opportunities. I think one just wants it to be resolved one way or the other so we can get on and deal with things other than Brexit because a lot of people need places to live, people need yeah. places to work, we need to rejig retail. Uh, a lot of time is spent on, on Brexit. So that's very positive. Thank you. You mentioned um, technology and I know that technology and innovation are very key to the Palmer Capital uh, business. So does the Fiera deal help in terms of driving your tech and innovation agenda so that's a question maybe peter would like to start on yeah that i think we are aligned in that area uh, a lot of our investment themes center around the new order economy so technology and engineering media those sorts of things uh, we are actively engaged with uh, the technology sector we're building one of the first multi-story manufactured wood buildings brick mm -hmm. and beam uh, that will be loaded with new technology flexible floor plates uh, building in workspace flexibility as well for our tenants, and, and uh, tenants are lining up to access that space that, that we're building. So I think there was already alignment in that space, and it was it was nice to see that Palmer was already heading down that road, and, and Alex has some pretty clear ideas about technology, so I'll hand it to him, but we're aligned. Well, yeah. just, you, no, thank you. you. The hospital pass is yeah. appreciated. <laughs> yes. um, so, so, so I think from our viewpoint, we're not a technology company. I keep seeing other people's adverts saying they've become technology companies. We're not. We're a service provider. The service we provide is real estate. And we do that through provision of space, but also space with a service offering. And technology is the way we improve our customer satisfaction. So it kind of starts that way for us. We have invested a lot of time and effort in trying to 
digitise our information, as well as we believe strongly in building buildings that meet the consumer's needs. And when I talk to investors, I talk about, you know, I grew up on Blockbusters, renting a video on a, on a Saturday night. People want Netflix today. My kids want Netflix, not Blockbusters. And we need to react to that changing market. So we use technology as a tool to get better experiences for our customers. And we think that will drive the rents that they're prepared to pay, which we think will drive the returns, which will make investors, pension fund clients and the like, come to us to be their partner to access real estate. Obviously, we've seen a lot of disruption already from, from technology. Is there anything that you think is coming down the road that you might have seen, Peter, in, in Canada that uh, we haven't quite got to grips uh, with yet? Or, or do you reckon it will be more the same? I mean, obviously, we've got, um, you know, driverless vehicles apparently on the way. We've got drones apparently on the way, but nobody seems quite sure quite how quickly that's uh, that's going to happen. I think my view is you can see it happening in the retail space and the supply chain already. I think it's a continuation of, of trends that will disrupt the way in which we use space. Technology will have a, an impact on disrupting the use of space. As Alex alluded to, we're seeing retail working out of logistics warehouses now um, as, instead of retail storefronts. That's technology-driven. We still have a very traditional brokerage market in, in, in each country. I think they're next in terms of disruption and in terms of how they do business. I don't think they disappear. I think they have to evolve with the technology and deliver a different value proposition. So I expect some disruption in those areas. And then I think there's potentially a disruption of the disruptors. So if you think about a group like WeWork, they base their business on leasing out space in other people's buildings and delivering flexibility to the tenant base. We own the buildings. And at some point, as landlords, we wake up and say, well, if there's an arbitrage in there, and a service that we could provide and it makes sense for the building and helps us serve our tenant base better, maybe we should take care of that business instead of WeWorks. If you look at WeWork now, they're actually buying buildings because I think they figured out that they need to own their operating environment. So I think the biggest challenge we have is it's, it's not, we know that technology will continue to, to redefine how we use space, but ultimately we will always need shelter from the elements. So our business is solid from that standpoint, but it'll be interesting to see what forms of shelter uh, win the day in the long run. And, and we're prepared to deal with that, but it'll tend to be in central locations close to long-term infrastructure. And we already own those sites. I think technology is, it, it's, to our mind, it's actually about data and it's about customer experience. And those are the two big pillars that get confused in the word technology. So if you understand what's going on in your buildings, because you've got data from every room, you can then price that building on each room individually. If you understand what's, how, why your customers are all heading to sit in the north wing, not the west wing, because it turns out the light and the noise don't work in the west wing, you can address those, or you should have probably addressed them in the design. And then it's about customer. It's about trying to be reactive to what the customer wants. For us, technology is about data and it's about customers. Now, it'll be interesting to see which way it goes, because obviously some of the property companies are setting up their own flexible working um, operations. Some are looking to partner with the flexible operators. So I suppose people will choose their own their own model. But um, well, I think a lot of the choice is if you're able to find a great team and, 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 and invest in them or bring them into your into organization, then that's a bit of a no-brainer because it, it allows you to have more vertical integration. If you can't find the right team for every location, then you might be better just to partner on a case-by-case -case basis and accept that you're giving away some of the economics, but you've got the right people in every building. Yes, it'll be interesting to see how it, um, how it develops. Now, 
You announced a while ago, Alex, that you were looking for a London platform and uh, Palmer have recently backed a new property company, Queensbury Capital, run by Joseph Downey. They're London-centric. How? I just wondered how you you chose them and do you see London as becoming more of a focus for your investment? So so we see a team probably wants to be backed every two weeks, I guess. We we probably meet another team. and we'd specifically said to ourselves last year, we wanted to increase our exposure to London by backing somebody or, or a team that focused just on London. Joe was one of a number of teams that, that we met and, and we really liked him. Joe is, is fantastically entrepreneurial. He's worked in a highly entrepreneurial business and brings to us that drive that we want. As I said at the beginning, trust, entrepreneurship, integrity. But he does it in London. And to our mind, London is a market that we've stayed out of whilst we've been going through the Brexit malaise because you just don't know how it's going to play through. But I think it looks cheap to a global investor today. Now, I'm not a global investor, but I can see how it compares to other markets. And our sense is once we get through Brexit, uh, London will recover. But, you know, total returns in the UK have uh, underperformed the rest of continental Europe by 10% since since the referendum in 2016. So I don't know whether that whole 10% will be an immediate catch-up once we get through Brexit or whether it'll be a slow catch-up. But my suspicion is that what will happen is London will get catch up first. And we want to be a participant in that. And we want to be part of what's going on there. And what sort of what sort of property will it be? Is it going to be the whole range? Because I had a look at the website yeah. and it seems to cover um, most most sectors. So, so. So, so, so Joe has done a lot in the retail to residential space. But I think we will also help that team develop a, an office capability, both in asset management and in development. Well, we will watch that space. Peter, after having made the acquisition of the Palmer Capital stake, are you looking to replicate that with other corporates in the UK or across Europe? So our strategy calls for us to acquire a platform in each market and then organically grow. So I don't anticipate us uh, acquiring another investment management platform. We we have the one that we, we want and we'll scale that business in the UK. We will use uh, Alex's team then to source, review, and understand opportunities in Europe and opportunities to serve our client base in Europe. We don't know exactly what that looks like at this point. It could be an acquisition, it could be lift out of a team, or it might be organically grown. Um, I think it's early days and that's sort of for a 2020 mandate. When it comes to the US, we expect to be finding an investment platform in the US and actually, we think it may be two or three platforms regionally dispersed that we stitch together to create a national platform. Acquiring a national platform in the United States, the order of magnitude is very large, probably quite expensive, and uh, we're less likely to be able to manage the culture effectively, which is important to to now the combined uh, Fiera team with, with Palmer and Fiera. So, so in 2022, the, the Fiera real estate ambition is to have a, a 10 billion Canadian dollars, that's 6 billion pound uh, uh, business. T- today, we're about halfway there. So we've got a, a long way to go together. But actually, one of the things I find genuinely exciting is being part of an entrepreneurial business that's growing fast. It's really hard work growing and you kind of just doing the right job for your clients, raising that capital and deploying it sensibly is hard work. Uh, but we're really excited because I can't think of many other zero to, to hero businesses that have gone will have gone in in just under 10 years to 10 billion from zero. And that's quite a big growth. And that's a lot of money. 
No, it's, um, it, it's, it's a great story. And I, I was just thinking in terms of obviously getting the two businesses together, you've obviously got quite a lot of distance in terms of miles be- between you. How, how can you do that? Do you bring the uh, Canadian team over to London for social so, events? So, so, do so, so we, do, we do both. So I've been out there a couple of times, the Canadian team over here, and we are now going through a programme of sending people across our business during the course of 2019 we will be going to meet their opposite number because there are lots of things that we can share that, that these guys do you know, really great. And there's lots of things that we do that are really great. And if we can share, so two and two equals five, then why not? So that is our plan this year is to integrate how we do that. And of course, at an operational level, our people are now talking on, on a daily and weekly basis. Now, that's, that's so important. And sometimes people overlook that, you know, the importance of just getting buy-in all the way through the organisation. And with all the technology in the world, nothing beats actually putting people yeah, in a so, room so, together. So, so my 11-year-old daughter has got 400 followers on Instagram. She tells me she knows every single one of them. But having gone through it the other night, I'm pretty sure she doesn't. And she's now down to a much lower number of followers. Kids think that just by having remote connectivity, you can build a, a working bond. I think Peter and I are both old enough to know that physically meeting people is important. So our our plan is for as many people as we can to get them to meet their counterpart, to spend time talking about what they do and how they do it, and to come away telling us this is what we both do and this is where the other guy's better than me and this is where I'm better than them. It's base principle for us. Collective wisdom leads to better investment practice. It's not cliche. That's what we believe. and, And so we see a shared best practice evolving. And the next iteration of our growth, we'll be looking for the same kind of additive skill set and, and ultimately evolve the business to best in class globally. We think we do a really good job. Our value-add funds, on an average basis, have delivered 18% net IRRs to investors in the 15 years that we've been running them. Our core fund has delivered in one, three, and five years between 9 and 10% total return. So we think we do a great job. Our core fund's unlevered. But, and I hate to talk about Donald Rumsfeld because he was a bit of a wally in many people's eyes. But he talks about the unknown unknowns. And when you build a business and a team that we'd all worked together at Palmercaf for a long time, you don't know what you don't know. So one of the great things about having a, a partner in Fiera is I can ask about all the things that I didn't know about and be told all the stuff that I should have probably thought about but never knew to ask. And you can do it in a, in a business where we can compare what we do and just make what we think is really good a little bit better. And it's, it, it is important. I mean, we talk a lot about diversity and getting people together from different backgrounds. And what yeah. better way to do that you know, than people from a completely different background? So. But, but the language barrier just uh, showed itself there because I don't know what a Wally is. i'm sure we have the similar term in canada but i don't know what it is exactly let alex tell you after afterwards (laughs) i was just going to say i'm not letting alex loose on my twitter followers because having heard about your daughter's experience i think i've been in a lot of trouble one of the things i noticed actually looking at um you know the background uh for for both of you that there is um, a sort of common belief in um social responsibility and and giving back and the importance of charity, which I think is important. I think, uh, Alex, since we last spoke, Palmer Capital has become one of LandAid's 17 strategic partners. I don't know whether Peter knows LandAid, but it it is the property industry charity here that helps young people with homelessness. And I can see, um, Peter, from your background, that uh, you um, believe strongly in giving back to the community and you actually coach young hockey teams and uh... I, I've done that I think um, that was I mean 
what dad doesn't want to be a hockey coach in Canada. So um, I didn't want to sit in the stands. So we did that. But I think uh, what I'm more proud of, first of all, Fiera in Canada is quite involved in the charity space. I'm personally involved and have been for 10 years now with Variety, Variety International. I've been chair of Variety's local chapter in Toronto, and we are focused on, it's the children's charity, but particularly we're focused on children with disability and develop programs in a huge field house and uh, uh, swimming pool facility. We allow people with disabilities, whether they're physical or mental, to uh, self-actualize, become the best possible version of themselves and to become as self-sufficient as possible. So we're quite involved in that space and we bring that into our business as well and many of our team are involved in charities as well and they're encouraged to do so. Well, I think that's terrific. I think that's probably a really good place to to finish. So thank you. Thank you both for your time today and um, we'll watch the space very carefully. So good luck with everything. Hopefully you hear more of the Fiera name in years to come. Well, I hope so. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was fascinating. It's great to hear a Canadian view of the UK real estate sector and all the opportunities it has to offer. Watch this space as the Palmer Capital business grows alongside their new Canadian investors. And I can predict we're going to hear a lot more from Fiera. For more information on their businesses, you can go to the Palmer Capital and Fiera Capital websites. So that's it for now. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please join us for the next Property She podcast interview in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, make sure you check out our Property She website at mishcon.com slash property she for all our interviews and program notes. The podcasts are also available to download on your Apple podcast app and on Spotify and any other podcast app you use. And do continue to let us have your feedback and importantly, any suggestions for future guests. And of course, you can also follow me on Twitter at PropertyShe for a regular commentary on real estate, prop tech and the built environment.